an Eatonville saga. Season three, a year of high anxiety. Episode 10, planning for our first anniversary. Here's our storyteller, N.Y. Nathiri. The milestone had almost sneaked past us. Here we were in October 1988. Our baby organization would be a year old in December. To celebrate our first anniversary, we needed to have a party. And for our celebration, we needed to partay with a purpose. Our purpose? It needed to be twofold. One, to place a spotlight on the town of Eatonville in a formal setting to feature a third-party expert who could explain just why it was that Eatonville was an important part of American history. Someone whom everyday people, as well as folks in colleges and universities, would respect and trust what they were being told because the person doing the telling had first-class credentials. The second purpose, to make our announcement that we would be presenting the Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts in January of 1990. Now, dear listener, we know that to have a successful party, you must have a solid plan and the resources to implement that plan, right? Well, our first major decision was to hold our party after the upcoming holidays, and that decision was for two reasons. Most importantly, we needed the time to make all of the necessary arrangements, and we wanted to ensure our event did not get lost in the holiday season. The second major decision involved the featured presenter at our sit-down dinner event. That decision turned out to be a pretty easy one. Earlier in the year, I had attended a Sunday afternoon program at the Orange County Historical Museum, then located in Lock Haven Park in Orlando. The director, Sarah Van Arsdale, had introduced me to Glenn Acom, a landscape architect who told me about a former classmate of his, Everett L. Fly, whom he thought I should contact because of Fly's research on historic black communities. The next day, Monday, I called Mr. Fly, who lives in San Antonio, Texas. In fact, I called Everett Fly three times, something he later told me almost made him decide not to call me back because he said he was just a little bit concerned about a person who would call three times within one business day. Maybe I was one of those crazies. Thank goodness he did call me back, and as I recollect, my very first question to him was, have you ever heard of Eatonville? He assured me that not only had he heard of Eatonville, but he had a file on Eatonville. Well, as we say, dear listener, the rest is history. As it turned out, our organization has had a relationship with Everett Fly from that day until now. But more about that at another time. In subsequent conversation, I did ask if he would be willing to travel to Eatonville for our anniversary meeting. When he said yes, he would, for basically airfare and lodging, I knew we had the right man. And why do I say that? Remember episode three of this season, dear listener? The one on Walter Kulash and how an Orange County PE professional engineer had dismissed Kulash's traffic research because 
although Walter Kulash had an engineering degree from North Carolina State University, a highly respected school, he did not have the professional engineering credential. I did not intend to encounter that kind of thing again. I was particularly concerned that we would not encounter that same situation. So at this point in our story, I want to take a few minutes to, as the phrase goes, to unpack who Everett Fly was at the time of our organization's first introduction to him. In 1977, Everett L. Fly became the first African-American to receive a degree from the Harvard Graduate School of Design. Let's start with Harvard University, which according to Wikipedia is, quote, the oldest institution of higher learning in the United States and among the most prestigious in the world, unquote. Next, let's consider the Graduate School of Design at Harvard. Again, Wikipedia says, the Graduate School of Design has the world's oldest landscape architect program, founded in 1893, and North America's oldest urban planning program, founded in 1900. Architecture was first taught at Harvard in 1874. The Graduate School of Design was officially established in 1936, combining the three fields of architecture, urban planning, and landscape architecture under one graduate school. So from 1936, almost 50 years, Everett L. Fly was the first African-American to obtain a degree from that school. Now let's take a deeper dive as to the credentials that Everett L. Fly holds. Landscape architect, F-A-S-L-A, and architect, NCARB certified. As explained to me by Glenn Acom, the F of the FASLA credential indicates that Fly is a fellow, the most esteemed level one can achieve in the American Society of Landscape Architects based on one's body of work. And as to the credential Fly possesses as an architect, that NCARB certified According to the National Council of Architectural Registration Board's website, quote, having a NCARB certificate gives you the flexibility to apply for reciprocal licensure in all 55 U.S. jurisdictions. The certificate can also be used to support registration in Canada, Mexico, Australia, and New Zealand, unquote. Dear listener, can we agree that we can definitely check off the credentials box? Having checked that box, the next consideration, resources. Here we experienced another example of the power of the community coming together. You will remember that PEC's pocketbook was almost perpetually empty. We were planning for an event, sit-down dinner, and we really did need to hold the event in Eatonville. Now, in terms of Eatonville locations, we really only had two options. The Robert Hungerford Gym, or the Denton Johnson Community Center. The gym was a cavernous space, would probably be too large for us to fill sufficiently, and would present a number of logistics challenges. The Denton Johnson, on the other hand, size-wise, was more in keeping with the crowd of 100-plus we expected. The challenge with the Denton Johnson was it was a modest, unassuming space. 
it would need a whole lot of help to make it emblematic of the excellence we wanted to present that evening. And this is where we see the strength of community coming together. Remember Alvin B. Jackson, Eatonville Mayor Nathaniel Vereen's assistant? Well, Mr. Jackson was so available to PEC and to me, accommodating every request that we had, that on one occasion, Mayor Vereen said to me, NY, I see your assistant is doing a fine job. So Alvin Jackson was doing everything he could in terms of the external environment, as well as making certain that the inside physical plant was white glove clean and safe. However, we still had the matter of the decor to worry about. Here, my husband and his department chair came to the rescue. My husband, Acelia Nivir, was an agriculture teacher at Apopka High School. His department chair was Mr. Billy Dean, a longtime teacher at Apopka and a town known as, quote, the indoor foliage capital of the world, unquote. Mr. Dean loaned us wonderful ficus trees and, and every other kind of foliage which transformed the Denton Johnson Center. Eatonville and Maitland guests could hardly believe how the space looked, and just about everyone made a comment to that effect. The third man who would help make the event a success was Wild Bill Donegan, the Maitland Councilman. In my former life, I had served as a department librarian at the Cornell University's Africana Studies and Research Center Library. So for me, having a printed program piece was an essential aspect of the anniversary. Essential though it might have been to me, I couldn't identify how we were going to fund such a publication. Not to worry, Bill Donegan arranged for an in-kind contribution from a printer in his district. In-kind contribution, dear listener, means free to PEC. Ultimately then, the only major expense we had to cover was for the caterer, and we relied upon ticket sales to do that. As to that second purpose, the announcement of the Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts in 1990, during her birth month, January, well, we had been very busy beavers indeed. Remember episode six, dear listener, Other Fish to Fry? Well, we had identified what we would do to pleasantly engage the public. But fleshing out that concept of a festival was, as my mother's mother used to say, more than a notion. Since late summer, PEC had been exploring how to prepare for a major national cultural event. On a regular basis, our team was meeting on the second floor of Olin Library on the Rollins College campus in Winter Park. Already formed was a steering committee with Dr. George C. Grant and Dr. Deidre Crumbly representing Rollins, Mrs. Edis Dexter and Reverend James Shortest representing the PEC board, Mrs. Ruthenia Moses representing the Citrus Council, the Girl Scouts, Dr. Ronald Foreman, representing the Florida Folklore Society, and Ms. Beth Rapps, representing the PEC rank-and-file membership. Steering committee members formed the core group of the Academics Committee and the Folk Arts Committee. For example, Dr. Catherine Seidel of the University of Central Florida joined Drs. Crumbly and Grant, Ms. Rapps, and me on the Academics Committee. Similarly, on the Folk Arts Committee, 
Steering Committee members Mrs. Dexter and Mrs. Moses were joined by Mrs. Shirley Cannon of the Florida Folklore Society, Dr. David Clawson of Valencia Community College, and Dr. Kristen Congdon of the University of Central Florida filled out the Folk Arts Committee. To ensure full engagement from Eatonville citizenry, the Eatonville Citizen Subcommittee was formed, and its members included Mrs. Ernestine McWhite for food, Ms. Hortense Jones for history, Mrs. Rita Allen for beautification, and for general assignments, Mrs. Pauline Alexander, Mrs. Charity Robinson, Mrs. Alois White, Mrs. Ella Dinkins, and Mrs. Vera King. Designated for random assignments was the ad hoc committee, composed of PEC friends who lived outside of the town. Mrs. Lorelai Anderson Francis in Orlando, Mr. Cecil Allen from Maitland, Miss Bess Doggett from Winter Springs, Miss Louise Franklin from Maitland, Mrs. Alice Grant from Winter Park, Mr. Stetson Kennedy from Gainesville, Mr. Walter Kulash from Maitland, and Mrs. Donna Miller and Mrs. Sarah Jane Turner from Orlando. Indeed, dear listener, time does fly. Tempest Fugit. As PEC approached the end of 1988, we would look back with a bit of amazement about all that had occurred. Join me for our next episode on balance as we reflect on that year in review. Bye for now. You've been listening to An Eatonville Saga. Executive producer, the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., Podcast, concept, and storyteller, NY Theory, Eatonville native, and the executive director of the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., PEC. Produced and directed by Ken Moore. 2021 copyright by the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. If you would like to support our podcast by giving, you can give to PEC at www.give2pec.org. That's www.give2pec.org.